Happy Text Line Tuesday, everybody. Get those texts in, 590-590. Good thing for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. They already earned Kyle Dubas's love. They already proved it to him that he had to go add some reinforcements for a cup push because they followed that up with their worst period of the season in a 4-2 loss to the Montreal Canadiens. Good morning to you, J.D. Bunkus. Good morning. I, much like the Toronto Maple Leafs, am having a hard time waking up today. After that, that was a sleeping pill. That was a sedative. That was a tough one. I had Blue Jays. I always put... Blue Jays is the only sport that I'll second screen. You know me, my routine. I, I don't like to second screen sports. I record and watch later. It's easy. And to I always feel screen. guilty. I always feel guilty to tweet about a game if the oh, two are too. going head to head. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, you do that too? Okay, good. Oh, yeah. I, I, I waited until. I don't want to play the... favorites. I don't want to play favorites. I, I, <laughs> I like to just. <laughs> but I was excited about the Toronto Maple Leafs yesterday, and it was hard to disguise yeah. that. But that game was not that. It's no, like it's I, I was getting, I was getting vibes that the boys had a few azalea cocktails when they were <laughs> watching the Masters. When Sheldon Keefe said, "Hey, we got to get yeah. to Montreal early because the Masters is about as important as it gets for our team," <laughs> I thought, "Okay, that's normal rich guy stuff, I guess." But then watching them play, I thought, "Oh, so you guys party partied." Huh? Yeah. You party party when you watch golf. Those guys watched Will Zalatoris, and they yeah. like chugging beers, and I, I don't know, having darts on the balcony. That was that was quite a showing to start that game. And still, they almost won it, or at least almost got a point with that second Dude. period performance, where they tie it up. And if the power play wasn't the absolute worst, like it's beyond parody at this point. It is mm-hmm. insane. They're like one for their last 35, one power play goal in their last 20 yeah. games or something. It's it's What's happened to the power play is insane. And if they get one on the power play, we're talking about a different game and maybe a tie game and maybe overtime, maybe a victory. But, yeah, they played one of their worst games of the season. That first period was, I think, their worst period of the season. And still, they beat a Montreal Canadiens – or they could have beaten a Montreal Canadiens team that has aspirations of getting out of this division, which isn't happening. I I basically, my other Twitter thing that I try not to do, or social media thing in general, is ah, I'm trying so hard not to rip the other Canadian teams in fear of... Because if the Leafs lose in the playoffs in the first oh, two rounds, I got... No, no, I'm saying I got to go live in a yeah. cave. You know, well, I, I got to... I got to leave the country. Mm-hmm. I, I'm either living in the woods. I, you, did you ever see that movie Grizzly Man? Yes. <laughs> gets... Oh, my goodness. What a movie. I, uh, oh, yeah. It's one of my favorite documentaries. I, I actually just rewatched. Have you ever it heard the audio? No. Ever... I don't know oh, yeah. if I want to. Do I want to? You can. No. You yeah, don't. Probably not. Right? I mean, you do if you're like me who Googled yeah, it. Obviously, that literally you paused were... the movie. I, I paused the movie. <laughs> I paused the movie and immediately Googled. Dude, you d- and his my fa- dad should be what? best friends, honestly, because my dad used to, when I was no. a kid, he's like, you ever heard of this site, Rotten.com? I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have guaranteed yeah, to Rotten.com. Yeah. Yeah, Multiple no. Times. Dude, uh, I was a big E-Bombs World guy. <laughs> no, oh, about it. Okay, so when Werner Herzog, turn it off. <laughs> he did, turn it off. And he's emotional. Yeah. I, I was immediately yeah. just, 
I stop the movie, Google the sound, and I, 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 I'm sorry that I did I always do that. I always do that. Anyway, I don't even know what I was talking about. Oh, yeah, I got to go to the woods and live like Grizzly Man and then eventually meet my demise with my wilderness girlfriend because that's the only way I can live. Uh I have friends all over this country, friends of every team, except for really the Winnipeg Jets. Mm-hmm. Again, I it's partially because they were gone, but I just I don't really have any Jets fans in my life. So that's the one saving grace is if they lose to Winnipeg. Either way, I've been doling out the trash talk everywhere. I can't have it on the record, you know? Like if uh, people are afraid of their DMs getting leaked, I'm afraid of the texts I sent to my Montreal Canadiens fans friends getting leaked. If they ever did that and then the Leafs went or lose to the Habs, uh, again, I'm going to be excommunicated from the city. So there's a lot of stakes. But when I'm watching these games, how am I not supposed to feel that way when the Leafs dog it? Just absolutely dog it. Don't show up. Trade deadline hangover. Who knows what? Mm-hmm. Azalea cocktail hangover. What's the other one? Paralyzer? Is that what they have? The one with the grape juice? Paral- it's the I've other drink that people have? Yeah. I think it's paralyzers and azalea cocktails. But they're, I guess, still drowsy from Masters. Maybe it's because they were so bored by the end of the Masters that they just didn't, mm-hmm. they never woke up. But. No effort, no nothing, not even the full lineup, a bad goal by Campbell, and still it was, well, they almost won. <laughs> they, they could have won that game with a power play goal, as you mentioned. Did you see Jack Campbell's post-game comments? Yeah, it's too much now. He needs to... No, I know. Can, I was going to say, can I read them to you, to or the audience, if they haven't heard them? Because sure. this is actually driving me nuts. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is Jack Campbell because the third goal he let in was bad, right? They're doing the – Jack Campbell, yep. Yep. welcome to Leafs Twitter officially. You let in a goal where Leafs Twitter and everyone started saying, oh, should he have had that one? Mm-hmm. Bad goal Twitter was red hot with Jack Campbell last night. This is what he said. Quote. I'm trying to get in my Jack Campbell mood here. Quote. I just think the guys deserve to win. Pretty embarrassed by my effort, to be honest. Just not good enough and cost us the game. I'll think about the game, analyze, learn what I did wrong, which was quite a bit. End quote. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> you just lost your first game. Yeah. Nobody's mad. And if there's ever been a game where I didn't think, man, the Leafs deserve to win that game, it was that one. (laughs) So, And even the goal, uh, well, I think he should have had it. It was a two-on-one, and Josh Anderson shooting, yeah, I mean, you should have had it, but it's a two-on-one, and it's Josh Anderson shooting. I feel like this guy and Garrett Sparks are... They're supposed to share a little bit of something, you know, yeah. that they're both they're the twins version. The That's an old reference the Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger thing where it's like one guy got all the self. I don't know what he did even is. It's not even confidence. It's something beyond that that Garrett Sparks has where he lets in seven goals and makes no apologies to anyone. He just says, hey, I did my job. We won the game. I did great. <laughs> I did great. And then Jack Campbell lets in one goal over what is it now? Twelve games. It's just, <laughs> I feel bad for what I've done. Mm-hmm. Relax, Jack. It's fine. I. This just brings me to the thing. You, I know you and I both feel the same way about it, but when people apologize for things that they don't f- need to apologize for, it's annoying. 
Our producer does it all the time, and we always oh, have to yeah. tell him, like, hey, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't apologize when you're amazing. It, dude, maybe our producer is Jack Campbell, where it's just he's great at his job. He's on these incredible streaks. Everybody in the room loves him. And then whenever he has the slightest hiccup, it's just self-flagellation to the highest order. Right. You know what? We shouldn't be asking him what Jack Campbell's mindset is because he would right. know. They're coming from the same place. They absolutely share a spirit. And Yeah. Everyone's like, I, dude, you're just killing it all the time. What are you talking about? And he's like, I know, but I just feel bad. I just feel bad. Couldn't get Tiger Woods this week, guys. Yeah. I'm sorry. I only I'm I was really only sorry. able to get, you know, John Sterling, who's probably gonna yeah. go into the baseball hall of fame one day and one of the most iconic broadcasters in sports history, but I only got one of him. I, I only got him. You know, he's the only future Hall of Famer I got on today's show. Unless you, I mean, Joe Siddle's probably going to be there. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. By the way, someone's telling me that the Grizzly Man audio is fake. Uh, like I didn't Google that too. Um, guess what? Not confirmed either way. So you think you're the newsbreaker? I'm the newsbreaker when it comes to that. I know about the Grizzly Man audio. Show me the proof. Show me the proof it's not the real audio. It's just not confirmed. That's all. That's all it is. Anyway. And even if it isn't, I, I choose to believe in the world that is real. All right? So Leafs lose. Who cares? I, I, I enjoyed Kyle Dubas's media availability yesterday. He loves saying ready to roll. That's his new saying. He says ready to roll like eight times, ten times in it. Everybody needs to be ready to roll. Everybody's got to roll. Everyone's got to be ready for it. Like SEAL Team 6. The goaltending was not really cleared up, but I still believe the same thing I always have, which is Riddick, who is called Riddick, but I'm just a Riddick guy. I say Riddick because the Chronicles of Riddick, I don't care. I'm sticking with it. He's insurance. Freddie Anderson will come back. He's going to play a game in the playoffs. It's going to happen. He's going to get an opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's my belief. I'm sticking with it. What I really loved about his media availability was when they asked him about why the price? You know, why now? And it got overlooked yesterday by our show anyways. I'm sure someone else mentioned it. But Dubas said it, and it was the perfect way to do it, and that's so sports, which is those guys deserved it. Those guys deserved the best push that they could possibly get from management. And, and I really did think about that further, where it was – I always go back to that one Blue Jays team. I think it was 2014. Was it the year before they actually went deep? Or was it 2012? Was it even earlier? When Jose Bautista, when, when guys started to get a little oh, yeah. no, that was cranky. Before, that, was, that was 2012 because it was, yeah, okay. uh, it was Casey Jansen, I want That's to right. say. And, yeah, it was Casey Jansen Bautista. and Jose Bautista. And yeah. the two guys, they made a bit of a push before the deadline, and they were pissed that the Jays didn't go out and get anything. And at the time, it was kind of a joke because they were so obviously out of the playoffs. But that's athlete mentality. And, and we saw this last season where we thought the Leafs were going to sell Tyson Berry at the deadline because they were just hopeless. And there was rumors that they would, and let's be pretty clear, they would have traded Tyson Berry had they gotten a good offer for him. Had they gotten a first-round pick offer for Tyson Berry, that deal gets done. They didn't get it. And so what they do? They added nothing. Was that Malgan? I don't even know because they always added some small guy at the deadline that was inconsequential, and it was, yeah, Mal that was either the Malgan year or somebody else. They do that because it's no faith in the team. Because those guys hadn't earned a damn thing. They stunk. They lost to a Zamboni driver. This year's Leafs team deserved Nick Foligno. 
This year's Leafs team deserved luxury pieces on the depth when it came to goaltending in the blue line. By the way, I'm going to call Ben Hutton, Ben Harper a billion times. So just already get ready for that because they had the depth guy last year and there was that too. That's what good teams do. And I just, I couldn't think of a Leafs team that is more deserving than this one in the salary cap era. Maybe the first year, the rookie year, when they went out and got Brian Boyle, where they exceeded expectations to the point where... Uh, Lou Lamorello said, you guys, you know, we're going to bring in Brian Boyle because you've played so well this year. We're going to do this for you. It goes the same thing for Nick Foligno. You can't tell me that with Jason Spezza playing the way that he does every single night and how finite his career is at this point, at least being able to play this way, or Wayne Simmons who signed here, or Joe Thornton who's being asked to sacrifice probably nights and minutes, or Austin Matthews who's playing this well and comes back from the injury. Hey, we were too worried about a, the 30th pick in the draft. We just couldn't justify it to bring in a guy that really helps us win a Stanley Cup. We just couldn't do it. Sorry, guys. It, it, first round pick, you get it. Control, team control. This is the same fan base that gets loses their mind when Ross Atkins says we gained years of control and then is mad when the blue when the Maple Leafs trade away a first round pick. It's nuts. No, it's absolutely nuts. This team has answered every single question. Right that's been asked of them it was how do you respond to a slump no problem rattle off a ton of wins nine out of ten how do you respond when the best goal scorer isn't scoring goals no problem we'll win Mm -hmm. there too (laughs) how do you win games when your special teams is garbage well i don't know whatever they've done over the last couple of weeks they've done it how do you respond when you're on your fourth string goalie win games there how do you respond when it's a tight close-checking hockey game. They've done that essentially all season long. Ken Holland had a a great point yesterday about you can't go in, you can't go all in every single year. You need to pick and choose your spots, and that's a great point too. This is, if ever there was uh, a spot to pick, it's this one for Kyle Dubas and the Toronto Maple Leafs. It could not be more evident. But we went over the reasons why they had to pick the spot I think anyways, from more of a look at the rest of the league this year and the history of the team and where the Canadian division stands in comparison to this group. I don't, what we missed yesterday, or at least what I did, was when we came into the regular season, you said it over and over and over again, style points matter for this team. Mm-hmm. It's not just good enough to win. It's trusting that the, the process is leading to better results. And they've done that. It's been a sleepy regular season where this team has had multiple opportunities to essentially check out. And they've had one little dip of a stretch where, what, they didn't win for five games? And they lost to the Canucks after the Oilers' victories where they beat the living crap out of they grizzly mans the Oilers' season. They played two poor games over that stretch. They're like, you think you can live with us in the wild? (laughs) Ooh. The Oilers' fans... 20 years from now are going to hear the audio of those games. And Michael Hutchison, shout out. They're going to go, ha! <laughs> the same way that I did with the Grizzly Man audio. That's their version of it. They earned it. They absolutely earned Nick Felino. Also, last thought on Felino from me anyways today. Well, not true. But before we talk to Bruce Boudreaux about it. Everyone has a different thought as to where Nick Felino should play. And... Normally, I like my opinions to be pretty 
hard, right? I'm usually pretty stubborn, and this is one where I you heard Kyle Dubas again at the media availability say this is a guy who can play up and down the lineup, and we'll see how much experimenting gets done. We'll see what opportunity Dubas may have discussed with him or they floated his way when he was first coming to Toronto to make sure that he was willing to come here. But this is one where there's just no wrong answers to me. Everything that gets pushed in front of my plate of, hey, this is where Nick Foligno should be, I go, yeah, it kind of makes sense. This kind of works. The Leafs are good. And they have a lot of flexibility moving forward. And if they decide not to dump Galchenyuk down the lineup right away, I won't be apoplectic about it. Per- it's not personally for me. I still don't want to trust Alex Galchenyuk over guys like Nick Felino in heavy minutes in the playoffs. I still believe personally that they should load up the top six. I also believe that Nick Felino is going to have a really big impact on this team and that people who are dismissing him... Um, I, I, I've made this already clear. The people who are dismissing him decided a month ago they didn't want Nick Felino, and so they can't budge on it. But here's the stone-cold facts. Nick Felino has 109 hits this season. The Leafs' leader as of lo- before last night was Jake Muzzin with 69. Zach Hyman has 65 before last night's game. It feels like Zach Hyman's always hitting somebody. He has 65 hits compared to Felino's 109. When you get into a playoff series, what do you always hear from players? It was, It's... You want guys who just wear you down. You want guys who just finish their checks always, always, always. You want guys who make you think about going into the corners. And Nick Foligno is that. We had Kevin Bieksa on say that he's one of the toughest guys he ever played against. Kevin Bieksa, you might want to check the stats, check the game notes. Very tough. (laughs) Kevin Bieksa wasn't exactly known for being a cupcake. He was known for being uh, super tough and really hard to play against and has the respect of everybody around hockey for those exact reasons. So when he says Nick Foligno is one of the toughest guys he played against, there's no reason for him to say it other than it's the truth. He believes it, and it is. He's not a bottom six guy to me, but he can be. And I I think he's got the leadership qualities to accept that if he does it. So I'm excited to see how they use him, but I also don't believe that how they use him is going to definitively be the only way they use him. Uh, that's what I was about to say, is that what do we know about Sheldon Keefe? It's not, hey, here's the lineup, we're going to stick to this, and we'll just mm-hmm. we'll just keep doing this for the whole game, for an entire series, for a week. No, yeah. it's like, it's shift to shift with Sheldon Why Keefe. Not? So whether he starts on the wing next to Tavares and Nylander, whether he's centering that third line, it's all fluid. It's absolutely all fluid, and here's what's also possible, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, knock on wood, but in these series against these North Division teams, like, might be a little bit of experimenting um, with how these series could go as well. But I'm ecstatic about the Nick Foligno experience. I think what I'm just noticing about myself is I'm very sensitive to sounds. Don't like music on the golf course. There's a noise that's barely audible, but I can hear now in my room, and it's driving me insane. Um, yeah, I don't. I gotta find the origin of this thing. I don't mind sound, but it's that's not the issue I had with it being in public places or in the golf course. I don't like rudeness. I, I like when people are considerate of other people in public. It's funny because yeah. I'll be rude to a friend. <laughs> yes, but will. to a stranger, never. I have this oh, thing yeah. where if if I see someone 
not hold the door for a stranger where they don't even give the look back, I feel as though I can just write you off as a person. No, that's fair. That's absolutely yeah. fair. I, I get that entirely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like not even a look back, not even the push, not even the behind you where you just – if at least just push it. If you just walk through the door and then there's no secondary touch or look. Oh, yeah. The worst. You're you know, just a bad person. You know how considerate I am? I'm really thinking about how we're wasting Bruce Boudreaux's time. He's sitting there on hold waiting to talk to us about that. But uh, but let's bring in Bruce into the conversation. Is that fair, though, Bruce? You see somebody not hold the door for somebody else, yeah. and that's it. Like, you don't need to know anything else about that person? Yeah. Nope. I already know enough right yep. then. Yep. I agree. That person – could, we could be at you donating a wing to a hospital, and you don't <laughs> right. hold the door open for someone. And oh, that all was for would, vanity. Yep. That's why they donated oh, all that money mm, for vanity. Wasn't anonymous, huh? Like, yeah. okay, now I'm questioning everything. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's true. Um, but you guys right. regress, right? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Leafs looked awful yesterday, but who cares? We can write it off. Um, that That's what happens when you play so well for a long period of time. You're allowed to uh, to get that grace period, grace game, where you can look like that. What did you think of the Nick Foligno edition, and where do you think he slots into this team? Well, you know what? Um, first, let me tell you, the Leafs looked awful, but Montreal played well. So, I mean, uh, they'd lost three in a row, and they played a lot better. So, I mean, I think that they helped in the whole Leafs uh, not looking as good as uh, as they normally do. But that being that being said, I loved. I thought that was the best uh, deal of the of the trade deadline was Nick Foligno coming to Toronto. So, and where he fits in to me, is uh, but in the end, like they keep moving Hyman back and forth, but in the end, when he plays with um, uh, Matthews and Marner, that is as dynamic a line as there is anywhere in the NHL. And I just don't think Galchenyuk is, is a first-line left winger. And even though he's played well and he's worked hard and all of those things that you can say that are positive towards him. But you put that line together and then you put a very similar uh nick uh, uh felino on the second line with Tavares and nylander and you might get the same kind of production almost as you're getting from the first line so i mean those would be as as far as i can see the two most dynamic lines in the nhl uh put together uh yeah, I, then you have the your third and fourth line and and where you could mix and match a little bit but, but when you think that if you had those two lines together, all six forwards would play 18-plus minutes, between 18 and 23 minutes. There's not a lot of time anyway for the, uh, the third and fourth line. So, I mean, if they could uh, hold their own and just not get scored upon, then I think then the, the top two lines would be able to handle any other top two lines in the league today. Yeah, I love it. I, I just want to see the best players play and – Hyman, to me, has proven that he is capable of driving a third line or having an impact by himself. But I I just don't want to have to think about whether or not you're going to play uh, you're going to play Engvall more, you're going to play Mikheyev more, you're going to be trying to find him ice time, and you're going to be moving things around when it comes to line juggling that Keith has done in the past. I, I just like the top six guys 
playing in top six roles on this team and then trying to find a little bit of sheltering minutes for the other guys. So when, when it comes to Felino, we just keep hearing toughness and you love it too. But is there a way that you can describe the impact of a guy like that who I pointed out earlier in the show, he's got 109 hits. The Leafs' number one hitter this year is Jake Muzzin. He has 69 entering last night's game. Hyman himself had 65. What an addition like that is going to do to a lineup that, that hasn't had really a lot of that one element, which is hard forechecking guy who hits everything in front of him. Well, I I think it's going to have a tremendous impact. I think the Leafs look uh, at a uh, Columbus beating them last year. A they look, B they look at what Tampa did to shore up uh, what their insecurities were a little bit uh, from the year before. And the Leafs were a very similar team as that. I mean, um, their uh, offense uh, uh, judged or minded team that goes and. But when playoffs, it becomes a little bit different of a hockey game. And uh, uh, I think that uh, Tampa understood that, and that's why they went and got Goodrow and um, uh, what's his name from uh, New Jersey. But, uh, yeah, uh, and I think that's why the Leafs went and and, and got Foligno. I think, it's, uh, I think it's natural, and I think that's how you have to win in the playoffs. And, and I think the Leafs are, are – loading up to win this year so uh, i think it was the, i think it was the best move of the the whole trade deadline yeah especially when you compared it to some of the other prices that happened later in the day specifically the capitals trade so going back to that montreal game last night two things one is did you feel as though teams had a hangover around the deadline even if you were a buyer that guys are spending so much time trying to focus on what could happen or what you're bringing in and having discussions. And they did have a little downtime where it was Masters Sunday and they probably were able to be together in some form or another watching that stuff and, and conversing and feeling like that, that knowing that you get those things, that it's actually a battle to keep guys focused around that time of year. And the second part of this is because you addressed Montreal. Do you think that they are the best matchup for Toronto? Like if there's going to be one team that pushes them, they've been the ones that have at least – made it look like a different kind of game a few times this season? Like it hasn't been the way the Leafs want to play, the Leafs dictating it the whole way through? Um, uh, yes. For, uh, to answer your second question first, I've said it all along that I think Montreal is the the team, or the lone team in that division that can stop uh, Toronto. And I say it for a couple reasons. But one is the, the Canadians in their history – have had a way to really ramp it up in the playoffs. You even look at last year, uh, they sneak in and they win the first round and, and uh, against Pittsburgh and, and they, they push the second round. I mean, they will play better. They've got the uh, speed that can potentially match uh, the Leafs up front a little bit, uh, but uh, they've also got big, heavy defensemen. And when Sherratt gets back, they got four of those guys and, and the, they can... Uh, hopefully keep the front of the net um, uh, clean. And you've also got maybe, like if Carey Price plays like Carey Price 2010 or 2011, you know, maybe you, you've got a chance against the Leafs. But that's the, uh, you know, that's the only team I think that is capable of beating them in the North Division. And, and I've, now that I've said all that, I forget what the other question was. <laughs> Hangover. After the deadline, oh, you know what? It, I've been through so many of these things, and it's the, the, 
I don't think anybody should be playing on deadline day, first of all. Uh, I mean, because I'll tell you, there wasn't a player uh, in the NHL that wasn't either glued to the TV set yesterday till 4 o'clock, or they were looking, uh, they had it on, and they were asking questions. Their focus is not the same focus, whether you're getting traded, you're accepting getting a player where you think it might be Christmas time, you're losing a friend. It's it's just not the same. So yeah, uh, I really do believe that that's a uh, that's an issue um, on deadline day. And and uh, you know I didn't make too many deadline days in in the NHL, but I did make one. And uh, I remember Mike Nicola coming to and on the on the ice and saying this is our team and the relief that was in my heart at that point uh, was amazing because you knew you weren't going anywhere. You couldn't get sent down after that. It was, uh, it was great. So I'm sure there was an awful lot of players on their uh, edge of their seats yesterday, wondering what the hell is going to happen to me or what's going to happen to my best friend, you know, stuff like that. Well, we always look at it from the vantage point too of sellers, right? Where it's, Hey, you could be gone and, your friend could be traded and those different things. But we mentioned off the top of the show that Dubas started his media availability yesterday with this team earned it, this team deserved it, which we agreed with. But how is it as a team when you do feel as though you've put yourself in that position if the manager doesn't go out and grab somebody and he doesn't add to a team? Can that be almost more detrimental than anything else? Like those guys are watching it saying, man, Dubas better do something today because we've put ourselves in a position to succeed and, and we need a little bit more. We need just that, that feeling of you believing in us. Um, I think it's an important feeling, but it doesn't. that feeling doesn't last. I mean, for the day uh, that the GM does nothing or does something, um, you know, they, they get picked off and everything, but uh, that will subside. And in a, a week later, you'll, you'll be back to normal. But I do agree. We've talked many times uh, and have been on many teams where we sat there and said, uh, as a coach, say, I hope we do something. We want to show the guys that we're all into that we care. I mean, it's a, it's an important factor at the time. I really, I really believe. And if they don't do nothing, and, and you're right, just what you said. I mean, players go, well, we've done this, and they didn't think we're uh, – they didn't want to give us a little bit more to help us push us over the edge. And, and then the G- GM comes down and says, listen, I think you guys are good just the way you are, and I think you can win like this. And so he tries to make up for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, luckily, uh, we didn't hear any of that yesterday. Uh, talking to Bruce Boudreaux. Let's see your phone then if you love us the way. Let's yeah, open right, the DMs right, right. with yeah. you and the other GMs. Yeah, you never even <laughs> flirted, did you? Uh, yeah. Liar. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, this the roster construction looks great going into the postseason. It's very hard to poke at any holes in this roster for defense and now goaltending um, because there's lots of depth there as well. But the special teams is still an area of concern, and I, I couldn't tell you why. I mean, Sheldon Keefe said it was 100% mental what's happening with the power play right now. It makes no sense. The amount of offensive firepower they have on this team to to not get it done when you have an extra man for as long as they haven't gotten it done is, is mind-boggling. Um, so to that point, Bruce, what would you do if you had... Because seemingly Sheldon Keefe has tried everything. He's, he's changed the, the units. They've tried different strategies. They fired it on net a little bit more, tried to... to um, banging some rebounds in front of the net, but it hasn't worked. Was there anything that you had in your in your bag of tricks? I mean, 
early in your career was probably just, uh, let's set up uh, Ovi for the one-timer, which seemed to, to work quite well. But is there anything that Sheldon Keefe hasn't tried here on the power play to try and get this, this team out of its heads five on four? Well, I'm sure he's tried everything. Um, and uh, I think, you know, I mean, when it comes down to things not working, uh, I've always gone back to keep it simple. And, you know, they've got Paul McLean upstairs. And when we were in Anaheim uh, together, we had the number one power play. And uh, uh, in the league, I think it was 25% or something at the end of the year. But uh, the, the, the key was when things started to get stale, is we said we'd go back to our bread and butter. And the bread and butter was getting the puck back to the point, getting two guys to the front of the net. Let's shoot the puck. Let's outnumber them. Let's get to the inside, and then let's score some dirty goals. And when that starts to happen, and when you usually end up having success, uh, is, is now all of a sudden you can start trying to be cute with the plays, the scene passes, and everything else. But the seam passes don't work until you establish the shot. And uh, I'm sure they've tried this. I mean, if they're listening, they're going, yeah, 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 Bruce, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they know this. And uh, and they're probably as befuddled as much as you guys are and as much as the fans are. But, I mean, it's the only way it works is you can't get more complicated when things are going bad. you got to get less complicated. So keeping it simple, and uh, that's my my whole advice to them. Is it is it something you worry about when you evaluate this team's chances in the postseason? Because it, it doesn't make sense, but it's happened for so long now. Is it something that you think is a real concern when you evaluate their playoff chances? Not really. I think Boston won the Cup that one year in 2011. They they scored one power play goal um, in the whole series, uh, the whole playoffs. But uh, um, I think it in the playoffs it becomes a different animal too as well, and. Uh, uh, you know, there's less penalties called for the most part, even though I think this year the the refs have not called an awful lot of, of the stuff that's been available to call, but that's another story. Um, uh, so, I mean, you want the power play working because it could certainly uh, alter things in a seven-game series. I mean, it can, it can dictate the way you play as compared to the way the other team plays, but I don't think in the end that it's going to be the ultimate demise uh, of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Bruce, you are certainly a gentleman that would hold the door for somebody that's evident and somebody that would rightly criticize someone else who didn't. And uh, we appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Hey, it was my fun, my, it was fun time. Thank you. All right. See you, man. Thanks, Bruce. Bruce Boudreaux, former Jack Adams Award winner. Yeah, I guess you just throw your hands up at this point because they've tried everything in the power play, but it makes no sense. Yeah. I... It's really hard to evaluate it when everybody is saying some different variation of similar things. You're either, they're not putting enough pucks on net, they're not getting the zone well enough, they're not getting enough Austin Matthews shots, it's too many point shots, they've got the wrong combination of guys. I... I'm honestly at the point where I just think it, a, the zone entry thing is a problem because they, they are pretty clearly predictable in that regard. Nice offside just, yesterday. That was nice. I just think that they are a little unlucky right now. 
That the, a lot of this is unlucky. I'm serious. I do. And, and they've the gone through walls like this. The process looks so bad, though. The yeah, process looks awful. Uh huh. They're also in a point where the Leafs, to me, look like a team that is a cat playing with its food a little bit. Or where there's just not that much urgency, or they're probably they're they're thinking about a little bit too much. There's a little bit of in their heads element to this. They know when they go to the power play, they're probably thinking about how ineffective it's been the entire time. I thought there was going to be a breakthrough after the Matthews goal, but so far that hasn't happened yet. No. But no, I just think, again, everyone wants to – my point of this is that everyone wants to point to one thing. Why is it not working? Well, it must be this one thing. And I just – No. You just proved my point. I don't think it's one thing. I think it's a multitude of different reasons that it's – a little bit of poor execution. It's a little bit of mental. It's a little bit of bad luck. It's a little bit of zone entries. It's a little bit of bad shots. It's just, it's it's a lot. It's death by a thousand cuts. It's such an oversimplification. If one person tells you it's mental, like what you don't know. That person was Sheldon Keith, by the way. Who said yeah, that. I don't um, think that. I think it's a lot of different things. It to me, it feels like one of those things where the solution has to be something that makes little to no sense. Honestly. And they do this all the time in baseball where the lineup's struggling and it's a good lineup. And you're like, why is it struggling? And you just totally mess with, with the lineup. And, you know, you pull names from a hat is the, the old expression where you would literally just pull names and that's the nine-man lineup on that day. What if you just – because five on five, they look great, especially that top line with Matthews and Marner and whether it's Galchenyuk. I mean, it looks better with Hyman. Why don't you just throw that line out there with two defensemen? Just play like you're playing five-on-five, five, except you get an extra man. Want to try that for a game or two, just to break out of this thing? Because I know that doesn't make sense, but what's happening right now makes no sense. Yeah, I, I, I'm i not a power play coach, so this is a hard one for me to do. I just, I, I told you what I think, and that's, I think it's a bunch of different reasons. 